What's Shaken Parkinson's podcast, where we explore information to learn about and to offer you a bi-weekly insight into the world of Parkinson's disease. Thanks for joining. This is the What's Shaking Parkinson's podcast, episode five. Uh, Moving right along, and today we'll be speaking with Diane Breslow. Diane is out of Chicago. She is a a master's social worker, a licensed certified social worker, uh, who is a, uh, again, we talked about patient advocates, advocates, and uh, she is truly that in that she's the one in the home and, and seeing what situations and circumstances exist so that she can help uh, coordinate that health care. Uh, we had earlier talked, Hal, about um, the three different sections that we're going to rove into in this, uh, the uh, medical uh, background and diagnosis area of, mm-hmm. of Parkinson's, uh, and then into the treating and caring for the body and mind, uh, and then into life adjusting. And Diane kind of covers all of those realms. Um, she's obviously a, a professional. Yes. Uh, and then uh, she is the person treating and caring, and then she helps with the life adjusting. You know, she was a good um, find for us, Frank. I, I think she's she's um, going to help us in a lot of ways. Um, it, it was interesting how we're meeting different people all under the umbrella of Parkinson's, but doing all different things. Absolutely. And um, that, that that's very cool. I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. It just shows that when you uh, you put requests out there, people are, are happy to help and refer others to you and... Diane came to us through a uh, through her daughter, but via a third party reference uh, in the professional uh, psychiatric uh, field, and um, she she fits every she's a round peg for a round hole, and fits uh, fits everything we're looking for to be able to offer our listeners. Um, so we're looking forward to bringing that to you right up next. Enjoy. Very good. So we are interviewing today Diane Breslow. Uh, Diane is a master social worker, a licensed certified social worker. Uh, we'll get a little into the uh, human services uh, aspect of, of patient care and uh, how we've already spoken to the degree of, um, of the neurological uh, perspective. Uh, unfortunately, Hal is having some technical challenges right now. And uh, we're going to have to figure out what is going on with his computer uh, so that we can get him in. Hopefully, he pops in during this interview. So, Diane, how are you today? Fine. Thank you. And thank you, of course, for having me and asking me to participate. Well, you, your um, extensive background in uh, in Parkinson's specifically and in, and in social work is uh, invaluable. We know you're you're going to have so much that our uh, listeners are going to be able to appreciate and to benefit from. Uh, so we'd like to start with a couple uh, brief background questions. If you wouldn't mind, let us know um, where you studied, uh, hospitals you've been associated with during your career, uh, if you uh, how long you've been in practice, and the uniqueness of of your specialty and and what you uh, have to offer. Okay, thank you. Um, Well, I have a 
bachelor's degree in psychology, clinical psychology. And from there, I went on to receive my, to study for my master's degree in social work at the University of Maryland School of Social Work in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, so I was there from 1970 to 72. I received my MSW in 1972. So I've been in practice for over 50 years. I started working in social work in 1970. Um, my specialty was in family therapy, and there had turned out to be a unique connection between family therapy and the evolution of my career. So in family therapy and in the early 70s, it was new, exciting territory. Um, and I was pretty much at the beginning of it. And at that time, individuals were seen in counseling more than families were. When you study family therapy, which now is common knowledge, but then was not, you go in with a basic theoretical underpinning that there is a so-called identified patient in the family, somebody who bears a symptom but clearly the rest of the family is affected, is impacted, is conflicted, is changing. And it's like everyone in the family is part of a mobile and the whole mobile is revolving around. So that theory, which I adopted to its core, um, applies itself very well to working with people with chronic illness because especially with something like Parkinson's disease, one person has the diagnosis, has the illness, and the entire family is affected by it. So to help that individual deal with the disease, you are really also having to help the family to understand it, to get support, um, to know how to ask for help. Sure, they don't have any advocates at this point, and, and you basically at this point become the individuals and the family's advocate. Right, right. So the social worker works with the patient and with the family. Um, so yeah, that's my perspective is the family perspective. And from there, it really grows into the multidisciplinary perspective because you're not just working as a social worker with a patient and a family, you're working with a whole team that also becomes part of the, the the group that is solving this problem and working on this problem. Sure. And, and there is a uh, it, certainly a distinction between a, um, a licensed uh, social worker as, uh, from a psychologist. Uh, can you define the, some of the uniqueness mm -hmm. of, uh, of where your treatment would come in, uh, how you would initiate treatment with your patients? Okay, that, that's a really good question because although I, you know, the fields change and have changed in the in these five decades, but as a social worker, we are really indoctrinated to assimilate the concept that it is part of our responsibility not just to do the counseling and deal with the psyche. Um, and the conflict and the adjustment of patients, but also to deal with the larger social system. And that means all the resources out there. It means having a handle on the resources, on the services, 
on helping somebody to get to the services that they need and being their advocate in a lot of other social systems. So that always kind of identified or set social work apart from from other of the human service fields. Uh Um, So clients will come to me, um, you asked about how service is initiated. They may not come for help with sort of the psychosocial aspect of living with illness. They may actually come for help with concrete resources and accessing concrete resources. And that may lead to other kinds of interventions and counseling, but it may not start that way. Uh, Understood. Uh, And then obviously there are some prevailing challenges, uh, anxiety, depression, uh, that are all manifested through that, of course. Well, yes. And with Parkinson's disease in particular, anxiety and depression are, are the two significant psychiatric or psychological components of the disease and become one of the biggest challenges in working with patients and families. Um, In addition to, uh, you had um, said that patients would come to you through referrals, through through a psychologist, through a neurologist. Um, Are there any areas where planning, group uh, um, uh, advocacy, who else are you working with in that context? Oh, good question also. Um, one important field is the field of home care. So there could be patients being cared for at home. Perhaps they were just discharged from the hospital or have a home health aide helping them with some activities of daily living. And so we rely on the people who are giving the hands-on care to also be able to observe and spot that there are other issues going on that may require other disciplines like social work or therapy or exercise. So almost in any setting, other professionals can be the eyes and ears for what some of the other needs might be that that patients and families have. Uh So I, yes, I do. I get calls often from home care companies that are asking for consultations around the patients that they have in home care. I've received calls from, there, there's a number here in Chicago, there's a number of neuro-specific rehab or exercise facilities. So they're teaching the exercise and the fitness, but they're also coming across the day-to-day personal problems that patients are dealing with. So they may call me or refer a family to me. So lots and lots of avenues, not, not just from the neurologist, but from the systems that patients encounter in, in their everyday lives. Nice. Yeah. And in, of course, in your um, recent practicing, I understand uh, you are, more in that training module of of working Mm -hmm. with in-home care and and nursing Mm -hmm. home uh, associates and Mm -hmm. helping them understand uh, the specific needs and special needs of a Parkinson's patient. Correct, correct. Um, Long-term care, there's a big need for understanding Parkinson's disease. You know, Alzheimer's is, is ahead of us in movement disorders and that they offer very specific 
training programs, units in nursing homes or assisted living. Parkinson's disease, it isn't as prevalent and it's not as well understood by, by the staffs and the employees of these kinds of facilities. So they're often looking for in-service training. So yeah, that's something that, that I do now. Uh -huh. um, my most intense work in movement disorders was at a movement disorder center of excellence here in Chicago at Northwestern. So that's an everyday clinic where patients with movement disorders are being seen and then referred to social work as, as needed. Wonderful. With the uh, initiation of treatment, uh, in everything, the earlier the better. Once you, once a uh, diagnosis or or a confirmed plan of treatment is is um, recommended, mm -hmm. how long of a time frame do you usually, in your experience, from patients that you start working with, do they relate when they had been? experiencing issues and in house case for example he has shared that the year uh 2016 is when he had um started feeling effects in january february and it really was not until august that he was able to have a neurologist say this is what's going on and this is how we want to treat it mm -hmm. um is that time frame consistent with most of what you've seen or or, or does that vary from patient to patient there's a lot of variability in it, um, but most patients will tell you that the diagnosis did not come immediately, and there's many, many, many reasons for that. And first of all, it could be when, when do you take yourself to the doctor in the first place? Right. If your little finger is twitching, you might ignore that until something else happens, and then something else happens, and your day-to-day -day life is suddenly impacted and impaired by these annoying symptoms, then you would go to a doctor. Well, you know, you could go to your general PCP, you could sure. go to a general neurologist. Somewhere along the way, hopefully you're getting a referral to a movement disorder specialist. And a diagnostician and, who you know, recognizes that to get you there. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, one of Hal's neurologists uh, that we had interviewed had mentioned curling of the toes, which we found fascinating uh, that he says he has seen almost unanimously in mm. people who later on develop Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a, a very early sign that he notices and, and almost exclusively. Uh, and how had, as soon as that comment was made, Hal said, mm. you know what, I, I've had that myself for several years. Wow, wow. Just Often an in, involuntary. Um, sorry, the, the, the one arm doesn't swing. So a husband and wife who may be accustomed to taking a walk every evening after dinner or something like that, and then the wife will say to the husband, you know, honey, you're not moving your left arm. And he, he doesn't know that. Right. And she's walking behind him and, and, and sees that. Um, the handwriting could change. The facial expression could change. This could be before any of the major identifying what we call the four major, you know, characteristics. Um, and then there are some other precursors. They're not cause and effect, but they definitely looking back after the diagnosis, one might be able to say, 
Oh, I had that before I even had Parkinson's. And those precursors are things like depression. It can precede the diagnosis. And another thing could be what we call REM sleep behavior disorder, which is kind of the acting out of of dreams in the REM phase of sleep. Um, That doesn't mean if you have REM behavior disorder or if you have depression, you will have Parkinson's. It only means that in hindsight, looking back. Right, it was a precursor. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if those become biomarkers, true biomarkers or not, or in what cases they become predictors. Right now, we see them as precursors, not really predictors. Right. Yeah. Um, so in your last 10 or 15 years, I understand you've been writing um, and uh, more in the, in the writing process than in the in-field process, per se. Um, in or in addition to the infield and, and training process, um, can you tell us a little bit about some of your books? And we'll make sure to share these uh, after our interview, so that anyone who wants to look up your um, your work can. Um, okay, it's, they they aren't my books. I I've co-authored several books, and one of them in particular is the caring and coping, which is the kind of caregiver and patient guidebook as Parkinson's disease is progressing. It's published by the Parkinson's Foundation. So Mm parkinson.org and it's called Caring and Coping. And and four of us wrote wrote that book. And then um, with a physician, a movement disorders uh, specialist, I co-authored the Progressive Supranuclear Palsy Guidebook. And PSP is is another movement disorder. It's a it's one of the Parkinson plus diseases or Parkinson isms. So I, I work for and consult to um, cure PSP. So in that capacity, I co-authored that book. And then, and we'll share know, the. By the way, we'll share the link uh, for that on our um, on our oh, email, okay. on our. I'm sorry, web. Okay. Website, our, yes, our, our um, What's Shaken uh, Parkinson's podcast okay. at Proton Mail, uh, and how we'll post that on Facebook as well. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, on the Cure PSP website, th- there are a number of articles that people without PSP can still find helpful, kind of introductory information. Um, so I'm going to say what those pamphlets are in case anybody needs information along these lines. One of them is talking about your diagnosis as the person diagnosed pointers to help you decide and, and feel at ease if you're ready to talk about your diagnosis with someone else. Then there's a pamphlet that that we put out called Supporting Someone Who Is Diagnosed. So if you have a friend, well, in your situation, Frank, you you have a friend who was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and you want some pointers on how to help him. So this this is for you. And then there's one on advanced healthcare planning, one on palliative and hospice care, one on kind of learning the ins and outs and the ropes of what are all the levels of home and community-based services 
which it's it's pretty complex out there. And then for those who have been caregivers and, and have lost their loved ones to these diseases, how do they go on? How do they face the loss of their role and of, of their person? Right. Wow. So those are the kind of educational materials that I work on and also... Um, I do lead three support groups now, and a major content of the support groups is kind of encompassed in all of those pamphlets. Sure, sure. Um, one question I, I did want to bring up is, uh, it is the last year, uh, 2020 up into early 2021, has been one of, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to describe it. It has affected everybody. Um, health, finances, uh, mental health, um, obviously anyone who already is compromised um, is going to yes. find more unique struggles than the rest of us do. Uh, can you speak a little about that and, and some of your experiences in, in talking with people or meeting sure. with people? Yeah, especially in support groups because I, I lead three and they're all on Zoom. Mm -hmm. So... I really hear up front and personally how people are going through this pan this pandemic because I see them on Zoom at support groups every every month. Um, what I found interesting when I was preparing a little paper on this is I, I read a paper on what are the symptoms of stress, and every symptom of stress can also be a symptom of Parkinson's disease. So for example, somebody has a change in their sleeping patterns due to stress. Well, somebody has a change in their sleeping patterns due, due to Parkinson's. Parkinson's. Right. So I'm thinking to myself, they're, they're having this, this symptom or this exacerbation of a symptom that already came with their disease. And now on top of it, they're having the stress of living during this pandemic. Sure. So there, there's just a whole list of them. We know that tremor worsens under stress. So the pandemic is a stress. The, the tremor could, could worsen. Um, sweating or chills can be a symptom of stress. It can be a symptom of Parkinson's disease. It can be exacerbated during, during the, the fear and isolation of, of COVID. Some of the other things, and everyone with or without a diagnosis, probably experience some decrease in their energy level, some apathy. Those are already symptoms of Parkinson's. If the person is already experiencing apathy and on top of that is stuck at home and has even less reason to go out, they may even be that much more apathetic. Certainly. So yeah, the depression and anxiety of a pandemic depression and anxiety of Parkinson's. It's right. like a double, you're, you're hit twice almost. Right. So um, yeah, we talk about this a lot in terms of number one, understanding and supporting it. And number two, what are, what are some of the strategies and practical pointers to, to begin to, to pull out of this? And uh, yeah, people love to to share with one another in a, in a very open, frank way. So I encourage people to 
try to join a support group or have a peer to talk to. Wonderful advice. Um, we can't thank you enough, Diane, for your time, for, for sharing your, your expertise and your, and your level of care, personal caring, your, your commitment to having you. people be well. And, and that's something that you certainly um, should be you know, very complimented for. Uh, and, and I know that everybody that you work with, um, you came recommended to us specifically for that reason. Um, your daughter was so, uh, so enthusiastic about uh, how she felt that you could contribute um, your expertise and your, and your caring. Um, so we do thank you so much. And hopefully we can talk again um, as, as we get a little further into uh, our sessions. We'll delve more into the in-home uh, experience and, and bringing people in. And, and perhaps uh, if you wouldn't mind, bring you back to, to discuss more of the um, working with, uh, again, the, the in-home uh, needs of a Parkinson's patient uh, versus a more broader um, perspective mm -hmm. as we looked at today. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's really been an honor to be here. It's our pleasure. Again, I'm speaking on Hal's behalf. Um, yes, unfortunately. thank Hal too. Thank you. <laughs> and, and I'm sure by next time he'll be he'll be up and, and going with this one as well. Okay. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of your day. Appreciate okay. your time. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Hey. So guess who I have with me now? The missing link from this last interview. Hal, something happened technologically there with you. Well, by technological issues anyway, so um, <laughs> I just couldn't figure out how to get my computer to work. I'm sorry. Yeah, plus a new computer. Um, you know, we're new at this from a tech standpoint, and we have while while I'm talking, to Diane texts going back and forth between Hal, and uh, this this is very funny. Immediate within five minutes after this ended, and we disconnected with Diane. I get a text from Hal, I'm in now, I'm <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> and the first thing that came to my mind, uh, I'm sure many of you have seen the movie, this is Spinal Tap. Uh, the bass player throughout the movie was kind of out of sync with, with the two front men. And they have this one song where they have these pods that they come out of when the song starts and when the song ends, they go back into. And he can't get out of the pod. The song's going on. He's pushing the thing and struggling. He finally breaks it open as the song ends and everyone else's pods are closing around. Again. Story of my life, Frank. Story of my life. So with Diane's interview, um, two words immediately came to my mind. Caring and experience. Uh, and and she you know excels at both of those. You have five five decades of experience in in yeah, it's impressive taking care of people and um, starting out as a, a clinical psychology um, major. Um, again, showing that transition and and we talked about how she covers all those aspects of of the three phases that we're talking about from the uh, medical and neurological ex. Uh, essentials to the uh, in-home uh, caring later and the in-between of, of advocacy uh, and um, the uh, team effort that she brought up uh, that she fits right into the middle of that the social worker has that position to discuss with both the physicians and neurologists as well as the people that are taking care of a, a patient in their home as well. Uh, 
caregivers uh, and professional and, and home family members. Uh, the family impact that she discussed and the interaction uh, with family members also. Uh, it's, it's something that everybody wants to make sure that all parties are considered when they're looking at all these challenges. You, you need your friends and your family with you. I mean, it, these, these things are real things that are very difficult, and uh, you need friends and family with you for the ride and support. Sure. And as Diane did say, uh, both short care and long, long care, term care. Uh, I'm going to give a couple links to uh, the documents that she'd referred to. Uh, Diane is the co-author of Caring and Coping uh, on www.parkinson.org. Uh, also, uh, Cure PSP Caregiver Guidebook. It's on a website and hard copy. Um, the direct link to the site is www.psp.org slash wp-content slash uploads slash 2020-04-2020-carepartners-guidebook-web-pdf. That's a whole lot. You wonder why I have technical issues. <laughs> that will get on the link to this podcast episode. You'll be able to see that on our page. And also to be posted onto our Facebook page. Our Facebook page, again, is What's Shaken Parkinson's on Facebook. We'd also mentioned that we're pretty much close to working live time. How has already undergone the uh, deep brain stimulation. Um, and many of you have probably already heard that in episode four in our interview with Dr. Sharan. Uh, we should also thank you all for tuning in and listening to that episode. We've had so many wonderful responses from people who found uh, the topic, as I did, just truly fascinating and uh, yeah, very interesting in, in what we see uh, changes already and how. The things I'll do for science and for friends. <laughs> and for our listeners. That's right. That's right. You're all part of our friends now. So thank you all and, have a, and keep tuning in to find out what's shaking. Take care, everybody. This has been the What's Shaking Parkinson's Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please check us out on Facebook at What's Shaking Parkinson's Podcast. You can also email us at What's Shaking Podcast at protonmail.com.